Welcome, everybody. Uh, that was uh, jarring to see uh, our friend speaking to us from beyond the grave. Uh, he was he was sort of clairvoyant in a lot of ways, and uh, it was interesting to uh, to uh, look at uh, consider what is uh, right about what he was telling us and what might not have been might have been a, a bit apocryphal. Today, hang on here. I, Susan, well, let me look at my computer where I'm getting to <laughs> the materials for today. So give me one second. Uh -huh. It is Jeffrey Tucker, Sorry, of course. Sorry, I just didn't know if you knew there was a camera. Now, I know there's a camera there. There we go. Uh, Jeff has been here before. We's, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the uh, Bidens and their COVID uh, uh, diagnoses and their previous vaccination status and a little vaccine therapy and what, what the state of the art is. He is founder and president of the Brownstone Institute, also senior economic columnist for Epic Times. Ten books, including Liberty, Liberty or Lockdown. Uh, many topics, economics, technology, philosophy, culture. You can follow him at jeffreytucker.com and we will talk to him after this. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a doctor for sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need. But if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z pack the medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com TWC. That is drdrew.com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times, gold. And you can own it in a tax shelter retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just visit birchgold.com slash Drew for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. 
How much more time does the dollar have? Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. I do not give financial advice, and previous performance is no guarantee of future performance. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew to get your free info kit on gold. That is B-I-R-C-H-G-O-L-D dot com slash D-R-E-W. As I said, you can follow Jeffrey Tucker uh, on Twitter, Jeffrey Tucker, T-U-C-K-E-R, Jeffrey A. Tucker, I beg your pardon, also at brownstone.org, his organization he founded, jeffreytucker.me, I think I said .com on the way out of that little intro. A reminder, uh, tomorrow we are going to be early at noon. Dr. Joseph Freeman, Freeman comes back uh, with Dr. Victory, of course, uh, and possibly Jessica Rose for uh, a swing by as well. We will not have a show on Thursday. Dr. Victory will be here by herself with Brian Hooker on Tuesday. There you are. And uh, Thursday, John Phillips. Candace Owens coming in on the 19th. Pierre Corey on the 20th uh, with Dr. Victor with, with us as well. Lois Lee on the 24th, 21st rather. So we have a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of stuff. But today we are, of course, delighted to have Jeffrey Tucker back. Always something interesting for him to share with us. Please welcome Jeff Tucker. That's nice to be here. How are you, sir? Good, good. It's a pleasure well, to have you. I guess. Yeah, we so, got the mask coming uh, back. Uh, COVID is uh, raging, you know, and uh, therefore I'm back on your show. So there you go. Okay, we have a little oh, no. buzzing noise. In yeah, it, there's in something wrong with your. There's a little. He if may you have just to re reset. Yeah, just refresh that window, Jeffrey, please. Refresh. Okay. It happened last time too. This has happened before. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's a uh, some technical aspect of the VMix system we use. There, that we should are. be better. How's that? Try again. Yeah. Is that better? Much better. Way better. Thousand percent better. Okay. So okay. we're all good. The Chinese um, are here. So. <laughs> I guess the, I have a million questions for you. I, the, I guess an opening remark or question would be, have we learned nothing? Uh, is people's learning curve flat? Uh, there have been so much, for instance, masking. Uh, it, 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 it's obvious that mandates don't work. Um, yes, uh, a single user could use it perfectly flawlessly and have some benefit. Absolutely. Uh, yes, the CDC recommends that after you've had COVID, you might want to wear a mask for a few days afterwards. Mm, not going to do very much, but okay. Have we learned nothing else? Have we learned that? Not, is that, is that a, a radical statement, what I've just said? Well, I think it all depends on what you mean by the, the word we, because I think the members of the public have learned a lot of things. I think we, we don't trust anymore. The trust in government has collapsed. The trust in basically everything has collapsed. Media, big tech, uh, academia, the entire expert class. So the, the members of the public have, have learned a lot. There's, I have to say, the population resistance to everything we associate with MPIs or lockdowns as much, I would say, more intense than I expected it to be. And I think the last week has mm. taught me this. That I, I, I feel like we're, we're in a better place in terms of public opinion here than, than I would have expected. On the other hand, we are not getting any apologies from the top. Uh, you know, they're all sticking by their story. Right. Uh, from Fauci to Fauci's successors, you know, the CDC and NIH and all the experts online have either gone quiet or they're doubling down on all their the baloney that they've been preaching for the last three and a half years now. And it's almost as, you know, one wonders why. Like, why not just admit one piece of it was wrong? Well, we never should have closed schools, right. for example. 
or you know, can't you just say that? Right. Or okay, forbidding travel to Europe and back was that was that was an overreach. You know, okay, we shouldn't have privileged the big box over the small business. That was a disaster. We shouldn't have sent out all those stimulus checks and created whatever six, eight, ten trillion dollars of new money because that generate inflation. Can't you just admit like one part of this is wrong, you know? <laughs> um, uh, but no, they, they're they sticking by everything, you know, everything, even the school yeah. closures. Well, we should have opened them up earlier than we did, but there were a lot of uncertainties. We wanted them to open up safely. So they're still defending those. And Fauci, the ever-reliable Anthony Fauci, is still sticking by his story that we had to lock down. And he said this on an interview on CNN the other day, which I, an interview that he thought was supposed to be friendly and an interview that was probably supposed to be friendly, <laughs> but turned out it just tore his mask off and we can go into the explanation there. But in that interview, he once again said, well, we did the best we could with the information we had at the time, which is not true, not true. Uh, but nobody, he says, nobody doubts that we had to lock down. And then he said what he's said routinely, for God's sake, there were freezer trucks, you know, in, uh, in, in New York because they couldn't hold all the bodies. Well, that is a canard because the freezer trucks yeah. didn't arrive until two weeks after the lockdowns happened. And that was because uh, of all the coroner's offices were closed and the funeral homes were closed and everybody was afraid to touch right. the bodies. Because we thought we we're right. going to get COVID, you know, from so it was the lockdowns that created the freezer trucks, and so right. you can't just say, well, there were freezer trucks everywhere, so we had to lock down. So that is that's just nonsense. So maybe that plays on the media, but that is that is complete gibberish. So the one thing that they will not say is that we never should have done any of this stuff. We should have treated this as a regular respiratory virus, which is pretty much what the medical profession and the public health community was saying in the middle of February until the World Health Organization told everybody we should be more like China and the whole world changed. Well, I, I want to drill into that very thing. That is exactly where I wanted to go next. But before we do, I just want to shine a little light on uh, this business of uh, inability to talk about having maybe gone too long with the school closures. I saw Eric Swalwell in an interview on CNN. They're going to the other extreme. He's taking the position that we are the party of opening schools and opening churches. Uh, this guy's from yeah. California. Yeah. We were closed yeah. for two years. People were arrested yeah. for going to church. Yeah. It was yeah. This was the most draconian uh, uh, intrusion on civil liberties in the history of this country. And he is the party of the people. It's just so disgusting. I, I'm willing to back uh, Anthony Fauci saying, look, I never suggested locking anything down because he really didn't suggest school lockdowns. He said two weeks, then two weeks, and maybe, maybe a little more. But he, he was not it was the states that really perpetrated the transgressions but i i, I just wanted to make that comment and then i want to talk about yeah, how the it's whole amazing. world went into lockdown yeah yeah we so can ahead. uh just one quick comment about the school uh school closures uh because i more than anybody else should be pessimistic about the social economic cultural consequences of lockdowns i was warning about this from from late january 2020 as you know um but even i had not anticipated just how dreadful things have been. For example, on the school closures, mm. um, there was awareness uh, this time last year, perhaps, that children were two years behind in school. Uh, well, mm. the tests on reading and math were dreadful 
we've lost two years, which is awful. But the adults all assumed that now we got schools going with, hey, the bells are ringing, the buses are running, you know, nothing's going on. Well, the kids will become aware that they're behind and then catch up, right? And, and hey, kids are right. resilient, as, as we heard for, for, right. for better part of two years. And they would two catch years. up and, well, it's regrettable, it's regrettable learning loss, but, you know, everybody's going to scramble and we'll get back to normal. Not only has that not happened, but the New York Times this morning on the op-ed page ran a, a very interesting article. The learning loss is getting worse. We're seeing mm. cascading effects on student morale. Mm. They're not showing up. When they do show up, of they course. don't know how to study. They're, un they're demotivated to get better. So in other words, what's the right word? The problems are escalating. So they're not, we're not getting how could it be better. Otherwise? We're, we're getting, yeah. we're getting right. worse. Actually, you say, how could it be otherwise? I wouldn't have anticipated this. I wouldn't have fully anticipated just well, how I, I would at least I would at least anticipate that the kids that were in trouble, you know, the the, the very group that they claimed to want to, to serve most uh, thoroughly, those kids who were already at risk were of course going to get worse. Of course. Yeah, but it's it's across the board uh, the demoralization, uh, the the cultural consequences we locked us, you know, the shattering of the expectations and the ritual of life, <clears throat> that sort of liturgy of here's what I do every day: I go to work, I go to school, mm -hmm. I do the thing, you know, I live a civilized life. Once the government said, "No, you don't do that. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You know, we're we're going to shower you with money and just keep you home and let you sit around on Instagram, you know, for two years." That decision disrupted so much of what we took for granted mm -hmm. uh, about our lives. Adults, children, yeah. you know, professionals, everybody. And now yep. in the adult world, people are back at, at the office. They hate the office. They can't stand it. They're finding every possible excuse not to go in. Now businesses are having to offer you know one or two days remote work, and they thank God. And, you know, it's just like nothing is going back to normal. It just isn't. And the consequences of this are being felt, you know, socially and economically. We can talk about that you know, culturally in every way. You know, the world that we knew of 2019 has been, have been shattered and we're just not able to put it back together again in the way we expected uh, that we would. I wonder, I'll save this for a little later, but I'm wondering if you have anything prescriptive about that. But but I want to ask about the, the lockdowns themselves and what your okay. theory is about how we fell yeah. into this uh, collective delusion. I, I have my own... Yeah. timeline of of significant mm -hmm. events that i think you know the the cascade i that i've sort of put together through talking to a lot of people that by the way were silenced of course but uh who were there when some of these crazy decisions were made what's how do you uh, put it all together well as you know i've been working on this problem for three and a half years now and um a, an important piece of the puzzle at least to my mind emerged this morning with a, a foia dump uh, some new emails that came out to and from Fauci from late January. This is a very, very critical period. This is, again, when I was writing my first articles on the subject. Well, um, David Marens, who's, as you recall, um, Fauci's frequent co-author, uh, with whom Fauci wrote that article in Cell in August 2020, saying we needed new infrastructure, human existence, keep everything shut down forever, no pet ownership, shut down the cities, no more big gatherings. You remember that article? That 
that was the, mm. the craze piece. The one art, the article that everything has been going wrong for 12,000 years, and that's why we have cholera and chickenpox. And, you know, <laughs> so if you want to get rid of an infectious disease, you have to just turn everybody back into, uh, you know, I don't know, foragers or something. That, that was the essence of that article. It's extremely chilling. Okay, so that guy with whom Fauci co-authored the article writes Fauci on January 27th, and he says, look, I've been in very close touch with uh, uh, the Wuhan lab. This, this is Warren's talking to Fauci. This lab was funded, heavily funded by EcoHealth. As you know, Dr. Fauci, EcoHealth is a very significant partner with the NIH. They're doing all sorts of, I'm paraphrasing, far-flung research, and they're pretty sure that the virus that's now swarming all over uh, China today uh, comes out of this research. So uh, we're implicated. NIH, EcoHealth, our fingerprints are all over this. This is January 27th. As a part of this memo, Marens tells Fauci they've tried to develop a vaccine to uh, uh, solve this problem. It hasn't worked, and neither have the monoclonal antibodies worked. Nothing seems to work. It just spreads and spreads, and nothing fixes this virus. Just FYI. That memo is apparently what provoked uh, Fauci and Farrar in their first contacts. Uh, Farrar, Jeremy Farrar from the Wellcome Trust in the UK. That's when they go to burner phones. Why are they on burner phones? Why are they having the super secure calls? Was it because they were worried about global public health? No. They were concerned about being implicated in a lab leak for a virus that was going to spread all over the world. And the whole world is going to say, down with you, uh, Farrar, down with you, Dazic, head of EcoHealth. You know, you, you guys are all the bad guys. Okay, that's what they wanted to prevent. And that's why they went to burner calls. Within a week, they had produced a paper denying that there was a lab leak. They said this is of natural origin. This is the famous proximal origin paper, the first draft of which was produced on February the 4th. That paper contradicted everything that Fauci knew. I mean, he knew from his most trusted assistants that that was not true. He did it anyway. In fact, there was a debate around that paper. What should we say? Can we really say it wasn't a lab leak? I'm not so sure, you know? Um, so I'm, I understand I need to refresh my page again, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, sorry. That. This is uh, yeah, really but, important. But, but, I want but, everyone to hear it, but, but it's your mic is crackling. Yeah. I think it's, it sounds like there's a cable issue with your USB mic or something, but when you refresh, yeah. then you're back. There yeah, you go. How okay. does that sound? Well, better? That sounds good again. Um, okay. it, it, you know, where are those FOIA documents? Are they going to be out publicly? People will be able to read them? Yeah, they were just them? released. They were just released this morning. I'm sorry. I don't remember the name of the organization. Something like, you know, uh, Foundation for Truth and Public Knowledge, something like that, nonpartisan. But they FOIA'd uh, these documents, and the January 27th memo is extremely important. And, and that, to me, is a very – because I've suspected this, you know. I've suspected that, said that we've got a number of problems with Fauci here. Uh, he was never a lockdown guy, ever. I mean, he's an infectious disease doctor. He knows that, you know, lockdowns are not going to fix an infectious disease, yeah. a respiratory virus. He knows that. The other problem is that on March 2nd, he writes Michael Gerson of the Washington Post, and Gerson's asking him, what's the point of this social distancing thing you keep talking about? Is it to wait for the vaccine? Fauci answers, it is not 
to wait for the vaccine. The social mm. distancing will drive the R naught down lower and lower and lower to the point that uh, SARS-CoV-2 will go away on its own. That's what he writes, Michael Gilchrist. So, so I've had a hard time making sense of this narrative. Whatever happened, it changed after the World Health Organization report of, of uh, March 24th, where his his other assistant uh, went, went to Wuhan and, and got this Potemkin village tour of how mm. the Chinese Communist Party locked everybody, welded everybody into their homes, and that magically made the virus go away, right? So Fauci right. changes his mind on 26, suddenly, you know, promoting lockdowns and that sort of thing. Uh, but even on March 2nd, he's still saying we don't need a vaccine. Now, I think I know why he said that. It's because he got this memo from January 27th from, um, from David Morin saying that the Chinese have already tried to vaccinate against the virus and they've they've had no success whatsoever. So I don't think Fauci really believed that the vaccine would work. So why did he why did he change his mind in lockdowns? Um my, panic. This is, is this is well there's panic. It's also possible that Fauci was desperate to figure out some way to keep this from spreading further and further and yeah. further and further and yeah. developing the whole world, yeah. devouring the whole world. And he did not have any other way, except he did have coverage for something like the lockdowns because CCP was already doing it. And then Italy was, uh, was, was fetching with that stuff in Northern Italy. He's like, okay, well, that, there's probably no hope I'm going to stop this, but if there is a hope, this is the way I'm going to do it. Right. The problem right. with the lockdown I plan right. all along was that he uh, he didn't have an exit strategy. So you lock down and then what? Because it's just not true. You can somehow magically drive the R not down to you know to one and then to zero and then poof, SARS CoV two right. is gone. That's ridiculous. Every the, in the microbial kingdom, viruses are forever. So uh, as we approach late summer. Um, we still don't have a now he's warmed up to the idea of a vaccine right so and also it, this crossed very well into his mrna celebration from his aids days so he's like okay i'll i'll do your vaccine even if it's minimally effective that's that's better than nothing mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so his co-author morens comes to him in late july and says look i have an idea for how we can let let's let's forget about this idea of getting rid of SARS-CoV-2. Probably that's never going to happen. Why don't we just pitch lockdowns as a new mode of social organization? Let's just keep them forever. Mm. It was during that period that Fauci says, I'll never shake hands with another person again. You know, everything is going to be changed forever. Uh, we'll never wow. be the same. So by, by, by that fall, Fauci was trying to codify the lockdowns as our new social system, that way releasing him from the obligation to find a rational, a rational scientific uh, exit strategy from from what he had done. That's that, anyway. Story. You asked my view. That is my current yeah. uh, understanding of of what happened. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a little break. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker, of course, is with us, brownstone.org. Uh, you can follow him on his website, jeffreyatucker.me. Is that correct, Jeffrey? Did I get that correct? Yeah. I mean, I don't even look at that website. So brownstone.org is, is, I think, and okay. also I write for Epoch Times every day. Yeah. Epic time. Thank you. There you go. We're going to take a little break and we come back. Kelly Victory joins us. She's got a ton of other questions to ask you. This has been very interesting. Okay. Be right back. 
fall is right around the corner, which means dry, flaky red skin from allergy season is coming with it. But the best way to take care of your skin is with our skincare secret, Genucel. You don't need to worry about that puffy, tired eye look or those annoying dark spots or even dry flaky skin because Genucel skincare has you covered. Susan and I love our Genucel products so much, we want you to try our personally curated skincare bundles. It's risk-free at genucel.com slash Drew. Genucel works so well, you can see the results in this unplanned live moment on our show when the Redness Repair Cream repaired my skin in just minutes right before your eyes. Their concentrated vitamin C serum helps keep your skin plump and hydrated. Plus, with their immediate effects, you can see astonishing results in under 12 hours. Quick, effective, and easy. Go to genucel.com slash Drew right now to try our bundles and save over 60% today. And remember to enroll in Genucel's world-class concierge program for additional savings and free shipping. Don't wait. It's genucel.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash D-R-E-W. I want to share with you a teeth whitening system that goes beyond merely enhancing your smile. Primal Life Organics Real White Teeth Whitening System offers convenience and rapid results without harsh chemicals. Light, blue light for whitening, Red light for gum and oral hygiene, and you can just do both if you wish. Works naturally, promoting gum healing, tooth remineralization, gives you a brighter and a healthier smile. Again, no peroxide involved. Consistent usage yields remarkable results. Take this opportunity to transform your smile and at the same time, optimize your oral health. Aim for five times a week for the best outcomes. Discover more about this remarkable teeth whitening system and other products at drdrew.com primal today. That again is drdrew.com p-r-i-m-a-l. Be sure to use that link for 60% off drdrew.com p-r-i-m-a-l. Do it today for 60% off. Temperatures are soaring across the country, but do not lose sleep over the record-breaking heat. Say goodbye to hot, restless nights with soft, breathable, temperature-regulating bedding from Cozy Earth. Susan and I love them. We were so excited to tell you about them. In fact, we have them on our bed right now, and the Cozy Earth sheets made such a difference. We got back from our trip and like delighted to have these sheets. They're made from super soft, viscous from bamboo that are, helps regulate temperatures and keeps us comfortable all night long. Plus, they're durable, machine washable, come with a 10-year warranty against defects. It's no surprise that Cozy Earth's brands has been featured on Oprah's favorite things for five years in a row. They are now one of my favorite things too. I want you to try these out for yourself. I am excited about a special deal that Cozy Earth is offering on our show today. My audience can save 40% on Cozy Earth bedding today. Just go to CozyEarth.com, enter our promo code Drew at checkout, and you will save 40% right now. Try them for 100 nights. If you don't sleep cooler and love them, send it back for a full refund. That is C-O-Z-Y-E-A-R-T-H dot com, promo code D-R-E-W. Some platforms have banned the discussion of controversial topics. If this episode ends here, the rest of the show is available at drdrew.tv. There's nothing in medicine that doesn't boil down to a risk-benefit calculation. It is the mandate public health to consider the impact of any particular mitigation scheme on the entire population. This is uncharted territory, Drew. And Dr. Victory, I'm sure you were as fascinated by the new FOIA documents as I was and what Jeffrey was saying. So pick it up from here. 
Absolutely. I, I want to welcome back, Jeffrey. So happy to have you uh, here with us. I want to get into this brilliant piece you wrote um, just recently about specifically those people who are better able or better prepared to resist all of the crap that's gone on for the past three and a half years. But before I do that, I want to pick back up where you and Drew were talking. Um, I have long said with regard to Fauci that he's sort of been stuck in this Macbethian um, obsession, you know, out damn spot, uh, trying desperately to get the blood off of his hands. Uh, and we've had other, you know, irrefutable evidence, you know, of his involvement. We know that he lied about gain of function. We have documents where he coached Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina to continue with gain of function research, even though it was on a moratorium and things of that sort. So I guess my question to you to, to conclude your conversation with Drew, and this is an opinion, do, do you think that these additional FOIA documents now that with this other bombshell now that he's trying to distance himself you know, from their involvement with the actual development of this virus. Do you think any of this will make fundamentally make a difference? Is there is there a smoking gun that would convince the American people of what truly happened? Oh, we lost your oh. sound. Jeffrey, try one more time here. It's been a day for uh, uh -oh. sound technicalities. Caleb can uh, coach you through whatever's, uh, there we go. How about now? Better? There we go. There we are. We got you back. Yeah, okay. yep, you're all so back. there have been two narratives that have been toggling back and forth all along. One is the natural origin and the other is is the lab leak. And I think the reason for that is that both are, both these stories are essential. So uh, Fauci was trying to pitch, pitch this um, pangolin, you know, the Chinese have weird diets story <laughs> for a very long time. That was for that was for the public, but when the the problem is when they went to convince Trump to get behind uh, the lockdowns, which was took some doing, as you can imagine, they told him that it was a bioweapon manufactured in China in retaliation for his tariff wars, and and that mm. and that that he Trump can be as great as Xi Jinping, and lockdown. I mean, Xi Jinping defeated the virus with lockdowns. Uh, Trump's at least as good as, as that guy. And so he should do the same thing and beat him at his, at his own game. Um, so that's, that's, I'm pretty sure, how they got uh, Trump to, to go along with it. So you have, um, you have two, two lines. So on one hand, you have the military uh, intelligence, the intelligence community pushing the idea of the lab leak and that it was, they believed it was a bioweapon. On the other hand, they never wanted to tell the public that. Uh, because uh, Fauci wanted everybody to believe it was a natural origin. So this is all just mm -hmm. uh, propaganda. And I'm pretty sure we, we're, we're very close to being able to prove this. I mean, th there's ever more evidence that at least Fauci was far more convinced of the lab, the idea of a lab leak, uh, than, than mm -hmm. he ever let on. But, but I, I don't, I, I think the people, the, the rulers of the public mind here, Want us both to, want these both these stories to be forever in 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 our minds? Like, was it a lab leak? Right. Was it not? Right. Because right. both both tales serve a particular propagandistic purpose. One to justify why the Trump administration uh, locked down and destroyed his what he believed to be his greatest achievement, which is a thriving U.S. economy. They convinced him to do that on grounds that it was a lab leak and likely about bioweapon. 
I mean, I promise you, Trump never imagined the U.S. taxpayers were behind it, right? So he he didn't know that. Right, right. But they right. did tell they did tell him that the bad guys have have released a bioweapon, and and most likely they told him that that they did it at the um, uh, military Olympics in October of 2019, mm-hmm. and told him it had been circulating now for six months. And the best way to stop it would be to do what he did to Europe and the UK. Uh, what he did to China in January, which is to block all travel. And that's when everything just kind of fell apart. And the Trump administration got, essentially outsourced all of its governance of America to the CDC and the NIH. And then it was just out of control from then on. And then that's when the mail-in ballots, you know, came about and, you know, right, the right. defeat and so on. So, um, but yeah, is, is the truth coming up? Uh, one of the problems we face is that very few people are even doing this research. You know, as you know, I right. I obsess about this, and I'm I'm sorry if right. I sound a little maybe more knowledgeable than I should be, but but it's it's because of the failure of the national media to really look into all this kind of stuff. You know, that's why Brownstone right. does this work. That's why you do your work. I mean, we have to do this, right. and I think we're having real progress. I mean, I have evidence of this. I I'm not sure that lockdowns 2.0 are going to uh, be a, a, a get anywhere in this environment. I think they're, yeah. they're, we've really got them on the ropes this time. Well, from your lips to God's ears on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I am obsessed as my middle name, uh, frankly, with regard to this. So I appreciate what you're doing because I think we've got to keep getting it out there in hopes that people will ultimately be, frankly, where it's simply not possible for people to avoid the truth. Uh, then before I get into this this article I was referencing, I, the other thing I want to follow up on is your conversation with Drew at the very beginning with regard mm. to um, the fact that, you know, Fauci and others are unwilling to acknowledge their errors. Mm. I would take it one step further. I have been stunned at the hubris with which they not only will not acknowledge their errors, they deny that they said things. We've got just three quick examples. Mm. The, in New Zealand, we've got Officials saying, we never mandated vaccines. People made their own choices. Okay, we never suggest, hey, okay. The FDA coming out and saying, we never told doctors they couldn't prescribe ivermectin. We never said that. Oh, wow. It is absolutely stunning, you know, yeah. particularly to those of us who had our licenses threatened over and over and over again. Uh, people lost their jobs, lost their board certification, lost their credentials at hospitals. But the FDA saying we never we never said that. And Anthony Fauci coming out and saying that he never promoted school lockdowns or never told anybody yeah. to close schools or to lock things down. When, with all due respect, Drew, Anthony Fauci came out and not only suggested that, but criticized Florida, criticized Ron DeSantis for That's opening right. schools back up. Yet these people, do they not know that we actually have videotape of them on camera saying yeah. these things? Yet it, they have it's absolutely- it's yeah. unbelievable. So they just come out and deny it. Well, and another thing that Fauci said in this remarkable um, Smirkanish uh, interview on CNN uh, two days ago, he said, that, let's be clear, the CDC can only make recommendations. They don't right. mandate anything. Well, right. I am pretty sure that I, every time I got on a bus or a train or a plane for you know a year, I got screamed at and threatened to be thrown off uh, uh, the, the, the plane or whatever for, for not having the mask above my nose. You remember those days? That was a direct, 
edict from the CDC, and they enforced it. And it got so bad that there had to be a lawsuit that was finally decided against the CDC in the Fifth Circuit of Florida against all these mask mandates. No, the CDC cannot legislate like that. Not only that, it was the CDC that passed the, uh, that enforced the rental moratorium. So you have a rental property and you've got a renter and you rely on that for your income. It's, the, the government, CDC, is saying you cannot evict the guy if he doesn't pay you rent. All right. And, and why did they do this? Because they said, well, you know, if we have people being evicted from their apartments and stuff, they'll go around the streets carrying COVID and they'll spread the disease. So we can't have that. So yeah. that's oh how they gosh. justified the rental moratorium. And so this, and the Supreme Court ruled against that. So, you know, the CDC definitely had edicts and you could look it up. You know, why was there plexiglass right. everywhere? The CDC recommended it. Why were we dousing ourselves with hand sanitizer? The CDC recommended but they weren't just recommendations they were hardcore enforcements including right. including domestic we have to say these things on on your show because everybody's going to forget domestic capacity restrictions so you could not have more than 10 people in your house you know so much for what whatever what is that line there the, the idea that my house is my my castle right forget right. that <laughs> You know, and so we right. couldn't have we couldn't have weddings, funerals. I mean, and and the the states were enforcing uh, travel restrictions. So, you know, if you came from New York and drove to Massachusetts and you had your uh, location services, don't you love that that euphemism, location services? They don't call it surveillance. If you had your location services running, you would get a call from the sheriff saying you better you have to be there two weeks to quarantine before you get back. So this was this was going on. Right. So now Fauci is over there uh, on CNN saying um, the CDC doesn't mandate anything; they can only make recommendations. That is just completely untrue. And we had we had right. cities segregated I, I, in, the, in this. Country. Well, and we had it. I, I we, wanted to quickly it make a comment about the school closure thing. The reason I I was saying that he didn't recommend school closure is I was on a nightly local news broadcast. When they locked the schools down, the school board member came into our our program and I was yelling at the guy. I was saying, who told you to do this? Why are you doing it? Did the CDC, did Dr. Fauci, did you bring an infectious disease consultant in? The answer was no, no, and no. We just think it's the right thing to do. The school uh -huh. board, a bunch of lay people made the decision. But it's even more interesting to me that you're right. Fauci later was all focusing on opening schools, which is now a function of the teachers union. So he was adulterated by that, perhaps, on the other side. And that's why he stuck to the And By the way, they opened too quickly in Florida. You couldn't possibly right. co-sign what Florida did. That's right. right. So and the other thing the reopening plans were always filled with all these stipulations. All the kids have to be masked. You have yep. to make provisions to have them distanced, you know, in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So sitting, uh, you know, six feet oh, apart, yeah. which means that you have to have more teachers, and more classrooms, and you can't let them play together at the playgrounds. <clears throat> and you have to equip your school with all these ventilations. If you do all those things, sure, you can open your schools. Oh, and the sooner the better. Just make sure that you do it safely. So it was this do it safely thing that delayed us for a year or two. And that goes for the openings also. It's the same sort of thing. I mean, I mean, Trump was desperate to open up by, I would say, by June, right? And 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 they came to him, and his son-in-law comes to him and says, well, Mr. President, we want to open up too. But you know, the important thing is you have to open up safely. You don't want to just open. 
you know, what is it like freedom and rights? No, no, we're way beyond that. We have to open safely. So we're working on a, a reopening plan. And these reopening plans were really convoluted. It's like you had to go through a fortnight with declining cases, you know, right. which means you need right. universal testing. And if that and and if those and those declining cases uh, uh, reverse themselves, well, you had to lock down again, right? So you had to satisfy right. all these conditions. Um, and so that was the uh, the White House's reopening, great reopening plans. So it was basically. Uh, what do they call it in Australia? Snap lockdowns, right? Um, right. We would have had snap lockdowns uh, for for years. We'd still have them today if that reopening plan had uh, gone through. So, in the name what, of reopening, they were actually plotting, you know, the perpetual lockdowns. One of the problems that I see is that the average American doesn't understand what the role and what the purview is of organizations like the CDC and the FDA, uh, because all it takes right. then is for a public health you know, expert uh, or an administrator to come out there and says, well, the FDA says, and the average American interprets that to believe that the FDA has that legislative you know, authority. And it mm -hmm. took a court a just this past authority. week. Took took the court yeah. this week to come out and say the FDA is not a physician. You cannot. No. The FDA has no right to tell physicians what they can and can't prescribe. Only physicians mm -hmm. and people with FDA licenses can prescribe, and that doesn't include the FDA themselves. But this is no. the average American was led to believe yes. that the CDC and the FDA and the NIH somehow create laws or legislate or control what right. physicians are allowed to do. It's a, it, it was really a yeah. big problem. It's, it's a major, it was the weirdest thing about the American lockdowns, because unlike, say, China, they were, I would say, largely uh, just uh, it took the form of, of threatening style injunctions. But we never really knew who was enforcing them. What were the penalties right. for noncompliance? Was there, a, mm -hmm. were the police going to come get me? Do I have to pay a fine? Uh, right. You know, I, are these just things you think I should do? Like washing my hands more often? I mean, clearly that's up mm -hmm. to me. You're right. telling me I should wash my hands more often. But you're also telling me I can't, I can't uh, go to the restaurants, can't go to the bars, I have to keep schools closed, I can't celebrate Thanksgiving. Which one of these, and I can't take ivermectin, which one of these is actually law and which one is just sort of nudge? Right versus just right. an exhortation. You know, we we just didn't know. It was very confusing for me, I remember at the time, you know, wondering because, you know, they divided the entire workforce between essential and non-essential. And mm -hmm. sending out these PDFs all over the country, you know, you're grabbing, you know, the printer and reading it, find out if you're an essential worker or not, you know. And then, <laughs> uh, but then you, you know, you wonder, well, what if I, I'm not essential, clearly. Well, what if I, um, what if I just go to work? I, you know, am I violating the law? Right. Am I going to get sued? Am I going to go to jail? Right. Or what? Also, whose interpretation is this? You know, like one of the categories mm -hmm. of essential was media. Okay. Well, let's say I have a podcast, you know, or I've got a Twitter mm -hmm. account. Does that make me media? Maybe I could define myself as essential. So is it up to me to who's, who's in charge around right. here? We didn't really yeah. know. And I've, I'm not even sure we even know now, actually. <laughs> no, that's very right. No, that's 
That's the power of the brown shirts. Uh, it, it's taking all of the citizens and, and deputizing them to be the little Karens and run around and report you and say you're having a bar. You know, Jeffrey's having a barbecue this weekend, and there were 14 <laughs> people there. And, uh, but you, another thing you just said, again, before I get to your brilliant article, uh, you just mentioned the phrase universal testing. One of my absolute, you know, um, so here we are now, September of 2023, and mm. Jill Biden, who's been, you know, vaxxed up one side and down the other, I think she's four shots in, if we are to believe them, mm. has, quote, has tested positive for COVID again. And she has very mild symptoms, we're told. So here's the question You wake up tomorrow with a stuffy nose or a little scratchy throat, or you sneeze twice this afternoon. What in the world compels you to shove a Q-tip up your nose and question whether or not you have COVID? Who cares? And what in the world would you do differently (laughs) if you found out that you had COVID versus you didn't? Why are people... I mean, this is... This foments just the... the, This is just fuel, as far as I can see, for what is coming, you know, in the fall here. Right. And it also could be part of a big sales pitch, you know, not only for Pax, Paxlovid, which is still to this day the only thing they really recommend, right? Uh, take Paxlovid. That way you can, you know, get well, pretend to get well for a week until you get it again. Until uh, you get it again, right. <laughs> but also, you know, that Moderna has a huge, Moderna and Pfizer have a huge advertising blitz right now, paying billions of dollars in advertising fees to the U.S. Open, which they also sponsor, to push yeah. uh, vaccine advertising on the public, but they don't put it as vaccine advertising. They, they've got these new ads that look like public service ads. COVID's going to kill you. Many people are in the hospital today with COVID. It's far more likely to kill you than flu. It's terrible. It's still all with us. It's awful. What can you do? Well, you can get the vaccine. And it's coming up here in uh, two weeks. So we're seeing this ramping up. And, and by the way, that one ad, uh, uh, it's, it's, I've watched the U.S. Open. It, it comes on like, I don't know, every 10 minutes. And about the third time, I thought, well, who is putting out this weird ad? Is this the CDC? Is it NIH or NPR? You know, I did, couldn't tell. Well, you, you look at it really carefully, and right at the very end in tiny print, Moderna. So yeah. they're, they're exempt yeah. from all the normal pharmaceutical ad stuff, right? When you put out an ad of, you know, get my foot cream, it's like, well, it may cause cramps and it you know, could make your skin fall off. And, you know, they, you know, they have all this stuff. So, but Moderna's exempt from all this stuff because right. for one thing, they're not advertising a particular product. They're just saying, oh, get vaccinated. And there's 50% chance you're going to get their vaccine as opposed to their competitors, <laughs> but Pfizer. So that's all good for them. Uh, but apparently under the EUA, you're, uh, uh, you would know more about this than I would, but apparently you're exempted from all the usual regulations concerning pharmaceutical ads on TV. Absolutely. That's one of the remarkable things about the emergency use authorization. Not only uh, do you have blanket immunity against any ill effects, um, but you so you cannot be sued uh, in perpetuity uh, for for any ill effects. But you also, frankly, uh, don't have to abide by any of the normal regulations with regard to advertising. Uh, So you have to spend no money on advertising. You have to spend no money on legal defense uh, or having, you know, liability protection. So all the money you make in the vaccine just goes to the bottom line. It's really, uh, it's really Mm -hmm. remarkable. 
And then if you cause problems, you're you're completely indemnified against the harms associated with it. Absolutely. So I I assume that this Jill Biden thing, uh, why are we hearing about her that she has a runny nose, you know, three and a half years later? Why are we hearing this? (laughs) Um, It it must just be to keep COVID fears alive in the public. Yeah, that's my that's my that's my theory anyway. Yeah, no, I think so too. So now, finally, on to the, you. You penned what I uh, really believe was a brilliant piece uh, just I recently, so. specifically about uh, what groups of people seemed to be more resistant uh, or able to resist um, all of this craziness. People who are more mm-hmm. immune to everything from the fear to buying into mm-hmm. all of the uh, ridiculous mitigation schemes. And it, you based it really, your your premise was that it was people who had a profound or uh, solid um, sort of foundation in religion. Yeah. So I want you to yeah. talk a little bit about that that uh, yeah. that theory. Well, that I've, been, premise. I've been curious about this for a very long time. From you know, from the very first days when I heard that the Amish never locked down, for example. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, the Amish continue to go to church. There's no difference between the church and the community. It's all just one thing. They live their religion. It is their whole life, and you can't tell them to close public spaces or close their private spaces, since that's like. It, it's a fundamental attack on their whole way of life. So they just ignored the whole thing. We knew this pretty early on. I thought that was intriguing. But um, And then uh, the ortho- ultra-Orthodox in uh, Brooklyn and, and Bronx and elsewhere, you know, continued out to weddings and funerals and got attacked by the mayor and the governor for doing it. Um, and so that was clear. Well, uh, I remembered uh, I drove south from New England uh, to Texas in uh, the spring of 2021. And I noticed that the deeper I got into the South, uh, the more religious people were, and the more um, things seemed open, much more open. And the more religious radio stations were on you know, the radio, the less you could find pop music, the more preachers you heard, and, and the fewer the masks. And I thought, well, this is really interesting. So uh, the more sort of religious you are, the more you're paying attention to the actual data, and you're aware of uh, the the, um, the 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 relative threat of this disease, and you're aware that you should just continue on with your life. And I thought that was really interesting because we've been told for hundreds of years that there's some sort of um, uh, dichotomy. You know, if you're really religious, then you're ignoring the science, but but uh, but if you're super secular. Um, then you're adhering to the science. In this case, we saw exactly the opposite happening. Uh, The people that really wanted to keep their religious communities together um, were were reading the actual science that was coming out and and learning about natural immunity, incorporating the knowledge from past pandemics. They knew what happened in 1929 and 1918 and 1942-42 with polio. They knew you know, what happened in 1956 and, and then 1968. And, and they became very aware of the history of pandemics and, and the absurdity of lockdowns at a very time in which the secular uh, science masters of our age were, were preaching a bunch of superstitious myths about masking and sanitation <clears throat> and wiping down your groceries and your mail, right? So it was exactly the opposite of what you would have thought. And I was just really intrigued about this. And I, I think it has something 
Well, I don't know. You know, I've, I've gone through a lot of theories in my mind. So I'm just really, the point of the article is just to recognize this empirical reality. And part of the inspiration for the piece was that I, 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 uh, I think you mentioned that you were, uh, 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 you were raised Catholic. There are some, many, many bishops in this country closed their parishes, which I think they owe all their parishioners an apology. But there were many parishes that never closed down, and they tended to be the really hardcore believing parishes, the people that are still practicing the Latin Mass, for example, or they're really dedicated to an orthodox uh, style of faith with frequent confession, you know, actual believing Catholics never shut down their parishes. And it was just the mainstream that kind of went along with the Fauci religion. I, I think that's just really intriguing. It's, it's fascinating how it, it disturbs that traditional view we've had about the, you know, the conflict between reason and faith. It turns out, in this case, faith was a better path to reason than yeah. well, and- the secular science. Yeah, and and I I thought it was a really insightful um, piece. And what I would what I would add to that, Jeffrey, because I jettisoned my Catholic upbringing uh, because I think that many of the denominational um, religions, the denominational Christians in particular, uh, fell into the traps, and and because yeah. they aren't really based in true faith and true belief, and certainly not in the Bible. I think that really what was very protective was those people who have profound belief and profound knowledge of the Bible look at it and said, this isn't scary at all. This is the book of Revelations. I'm not Uh one bit worried about this. I'm not one that I've read all this. I know this. This was God's plan all along, and Mm. I will be fine. I am not worried about myself. So I think that that the fundamentalists, and the Bibleists yeah. and the and the truly Orthodox Jews and the Amish right. were the ones right. who said, mm, it's nothing but a thing. And the parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7 a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh, boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, you want to, oh, boy. <laughs> he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, Pet Club 247. I know this is right. This is biblical. This is exactly how it was intended to be. And we will be fine. And therefore, we will just continue on our way, living the path. uh, And God will, this is God's plan. And I think 
you know, remarkably, it ended up being very much a uh, protective for them because they are the communities that did not largely get vaccinated. They did not shut down. They didn't close their schools. They didn't stop worshiping. They continued to get together with friends and relatives and celebrate weddings and birthdays and go to funerals. Uh, And I think those are the things that were uh, ultimately protective, despite the fact that those are the groups that, as you rightly point out, are most commonly painted as the non-scientific, right. those people who are, I believe, in the mystical. There's a feature, too, of the COVID response that for many people gave their lives a sense of meaning and purpose that they didn't have mm-hmm. before. It's like, oh, now there's something I can mm-hmm. really do. I can throw myself into it. I can rat out my neighbor. I can be really scrupulous about wearing this mask. And I have a reason now to live, you know, mm-hmm. whereas... Mm-hmm. Really, religious people already have a reason to live. They didn't need all this. But Jeff, Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey, isn't that phenomenon really just uh, the? I'm going to try to frame this in a way that that makes sense and is accurate. The the manifestations of the phenomenology that they were presenting in this meaning making was precisely the phenomenology of religion. It's the function of religion Mm. to make meaning and to deal with the inevitable tragedies of life, which Kelly pointed out, then able to manage that. And even more importantly, what I've been noticing lately in the whole cancel world and the cesspool of social media, religion contained, um, let's see, let's say not the angels of our nature, but the opposite, the, the worst angels of our nature, like envy. And envy is ruling the world right now. Envy is alive and well, envy and aggression and, and narcissistic rage. And without religion, and back to Kelly's notion of watching the Bible, the Bible tells you what happens. That's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. These other things fill in that have the same phenomenological structure as religion because humans seem like homo religiosity, homo religion, really, and it's our own little way. And those things are not structured in a way to make humanity better. They make things worse. Yeah, it's unmitigated. Is I, this is the problem. After uh, after the COVID thing hit and everybody had this new purpose for existence, you're right. People became astonishingly mean. There was a yes. uh, a change in the public culture uh, towards well, ratting. They were out going after sinners. They were going yeah. after the, the the unclean, the dirty, the sinners, uh, and that's that Im- that's that impulse. That that uh, another same thing filled in that had its own sort of. Uh, you know, has a long history of being used for good. And what we do on our own, we use the same impulse for not good. The level of cruelty was astounding. The segregation of our cities by vaccinated, unvaccinated was something I can never Mm -hmm. entirely shake off, especially when you look at the disparate impact uh, in terms of race. I cannot believe this country tolerated Mm -hmm. that. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. mind boggling just how cruel we were. We really did uh, bar vast number of, of city residents from the from libraries uh from restaurants from from bars from theaters and this went on for months and months and months with not a, any complaint from the new york times it's amazing 
No, and we fractionated families, entire families, entire social structures, yeah. groups of friends uh, who had been friends for decades who now no longer speak. Uh, and so when you talk about things that aren't going back to the way they were before, um, that things that aren't going back, whether it's you know using actual paper menus at the you know restaurant or being able to do the things that we did pre-COVID, all of these silly things, you know, rituals that have been put in place. I don't know how we, you know, we have cloven society in two, um, really, because mm -hmm. it, where you stood on the issues around the pandemic really put you in a certain camp. And I don't know how we undo that. And that's so part of my interest in getting people to acknowledge that they were wrong. You know, there, there is no forgiveness without contrition. And so people right. have got to say, I was wrong. What I did was wrong. I should never have discriminated against you. I am sorry that I did that. I'm sorry you were disinvited from Thanksgiving because you weren't vaccinated. Or I'm sorry that I didn't, you know, wasn't willing to get together with you. How, you know, I, I truly think this is the biggest issue that we face right now as a society. I, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I completely agree with you. And sometimes I feel like I'm crazy. But, you know, when you talk to people in private, you know, when you get their trust and you open up about the last three and a half years, almost everybody has a, a, tr a tragic story in their lives. Um, children from whom they're estranged, uh, right. uh, marriage is shattered, uh, job loss. Uh, vicious arguments with uh, colleagues that break up of bowling clubs and bridge clubs mm -hmm. and bands. Mm -hmm. And it's just, there's so much pain out there. And it makes right. me crazy that we're not really talking about it. I mean, we're, we're, right. we can't just, we can't just move on and pretend like this never happened. It's, it's not right. going to work. And nor can we pretend as if we were making the best decisions we had at the time we had it, like Fauci keeps saying. Right. Or as many other right. people just pretend like nothing ever happened at all. No, the worst possible thing happened. We dismantled uh, all social right. functioning and all social mm -hmm. ritual and liturgy and, and all freedoms and normal expectations of human rights, even the right to invite people to your house. We did this in the name of controlling a microbial kingdom that we had really could not uh, control. We did it in the name right. of, of putting politicians in, in charge of a virus, and it just didn't work. It just didn't work. So we need right. honesty and truth. Uh, contrition would be great, but just, just open discussion instead of this strange mm -hmm blackout that we have. It's very right. odd for me because I founded Brownstone in, in, um, in uh, the spring of uh, 21. And people said to me at the time, well, Brownstone seems to be founded mostly about the COVID response, uh, but that's over. What are you guys going to do after that? And my, my thought at the time was the 21st century can be divided so far into two parts, before COVID and after COVID. <laughs> I mean, we're not, we're, yeah. we're, yeah. we're so much suffering from those decisions right. made in those in those in those in those catastrophic uh, two years, and we still are. Yes, I, I think the challenge. I think the challenge of repairing society following what happened in the pandemic is a far greater challenge than anything having to do with a silly virus uh, that yeah. impacted us for a few years. I, I think this yeah. is the real challenge is how, how do we get beyond this? Uh, so I think the Brownstone Institute has lots of good work to be done uh, because it's it, it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, yeah. Drew, what are the topics I didn't bring bring up here today? We 
we were talking before we came on uh, air about a number of different things. So what have I failed to bring up? I think we sort of ran the cycle here. I think we got, uh, I mean, if we launch into too much more here, we will quickly run out of time. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I think it's very interesting, and we all are just in agreement and astonishment about this. Let, let yeah. me ask this one question. So yeah. the American history is dotted with great awakenings. Do you think we are in for something like that? Not necessarily the form of those, you know, essentially traveling circuses that many, yeah. at least one incarnation of Great Awakening was, but is there a sense that people are going to find some sort of spiritual life again uh, and uh, or well, have they, we, have we, they come we, we to this on their to. own? We have to, or else we're going to uh, f forever languish in, in growing amounts of despair. Like I mentioned earlier about the kids, you can't just turn off the function of society and turn it back on again and expect everything to go back to normal. People are shattered in so many ways. You see it in the ill health, the substance abuse, which is unbelievable, uh, the, the just mm -hmm. the depression. Um, and you know this from your own lives. I mean, you know people that are just are just yeah. still oh, tremendously oh, yes. uh, traumatized from it. We we predicted it. And Kelly and I saw it. Yeah. saw the train coming. We were talking about yeah. it before it before it arrived. That it was inevitable. Yeah. There was just no way it could happen. It's actually worse, particularly than I the age groups. It's yeah. far worse than yeah, it's I, just I really what we expected. predicted. The only thing I would say um, is something that Smir Khanish actually said on his radio show that I thought was really interesting. I, I'm actually getting optimistic that. At least people are starting to clue into what went wrong and are determined to resist it. You know, mm -hmm. this hashtag do not comply. So what percentage mm -hmm. of us uh, hold these views? And <clears throat> last week I was saying maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 20%. But Smir Khanish said something interesting on his podcast. He said, because, um, you know, when he confronted Fauci with that question, it was not supposed to be hostile. He was waiting for Fauci to answer the right. question of the Cochrane Review on Mask. It was, it was supposed to be a softball. Right, he yes. didn't expect this. Fauci, Fauci would respond with just gibberish. Right, that was, and he texted <laughs> him later and apo apologized to him, which is funny. And Fauci apparently uh, hmm. wrote him back, and he would not share Fauci's response with the audience because he didn't have permission. Which I don't know how he's a reporter. Tell us what he said. Right. Anyway, he hmm. said something interesting on his podcast. He said. Um, of his listeners, who I assume are the sort of the CNN crowd, right? Of his listeners, yeah. he thinks that 25% are absolutely passionately opposed to ever locking down or anything remotely like any NPIs or anything like masks or travel restrictions or anything. They're going to resist. And what he said about that is that this is an informed crowd. These people know the literature. They have all the arguments in place. They feel a tremendous amount of passion. They're, they're totally dedicated to this. They will not let their churches close. They will not allow their kids to be masked. And he said in his experience that when you have a totally dedicated, passionate, and informed 25%, their will carries a day. And he, said, he said, that's what I'm seeing right now. He said they they can I've never. I've heard that be, number before. Yeah, he said that you, if the if the ruling class is planning mm -hmm. to lock down again, they've got uh, some bad news coming because because yeah. this this the, the anti lockdown forces the people that are informed uh, are really informed and and they're really passionate and they're not going to let freedom and rights be uh, taken away again. And they're going to restore their own health. They're going to restore their families. They're going to restore their communities. So, I think you're right, uh, Doctor Drew. 
uh, will this give us a new sort of fire? It certainly has given me that. I mean, I was coasting for years. I thought everything just kind of ran automatically, right? <laughs> hey, well, we're free. We got a constitution. What am I complaining about? I used to write articles about chicken salad and you know whatever. I hear a laugh. True. Uh, I would write about anything, uh, but now I feel it, right? I feel a tremendous fire. I realized something really important: the world that we love needs us to protect it mm -hmm. and, and champion it and, and to guard it and to defend it and sustain it and bring it back and make it real and make it permanent. Like that's our job. We all have a job. I did not know that until uh, the lockdowns happened. So, so I think a lot of people feel similarly. Here, here. Amen, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree yeah, with you. Singing to the choir. 100%. Yeah. 100%. It, 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 you know, I was... I was telling Kelly that the words like, you know, bravery and courage and freedom, those are not words I was thinking about five years ago, four years ago. Now all of a sudden they're right. emerging from my mouth constantly. Yeah. All right, yeah. guys, right. Uh, Jeffrey, it was great seeing you. Uh, tell you. people, you want to maybe pre uh, preview anything, any articles you have coming that they can look forward to? Oh God, you know, every day we run stuff and I've always got like about five articles lined up and I, you know, I have a, a, a guy I work with and I let him surprise me every day, but we're doing ever more research and uh, uh, revelations on the early days of the lockdown period, which hardly every, everybody's forgotten mm -hmm. about it, but I think it's extremely important to deconstruct well, these months. We have many, many articles yeah, coming yeah. out on that subject. You can go to brownstorm.org right, and I- out. Yeah, and I strongly suggest that people uh, subscribe to our email. I only send one a week, and I send it myself, and I always write a personal note. Um, but that's where we list all the things we publish for the week. And so it's, it's very light touch, but, um, but getting on the email list is important because you know, that you know, that's something we can own, and that's the way we stay in contact with you. And in these times with third-party cancellations all the time and everything, that's extremely important. All right, I'm going to do it right now. Thank okay, you. guys, uh, thank you very you. much. Yeah, great to see you again. Hopefully you'll come back very soon. Kelly, I'll see you tomorrow at noon Pacific uh, for yep. Freeman and uh, Jessica Rose. She's now Rose. for sure. Sounds great. Uh, yep. yep. And uh, Brian Hooker on Tuesday. No show on Thursday. John Phillips on the 13th. Candace Owens on the 19th. Pierre Corey coming back around. And Dr. Lois Lee. So we'll see you all tomorrow at noontime. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800 273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com slash help.